This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your afternoon playlist, State Farm knows you personalize your entire day. And that's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with the State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, guys. Welcome to the first guest episode of the year for Happy Hour. Alfie's here. Yeah, subbed in for Stevie, but poorly. Looks uh, all zombie-like. Came yeah. to my car this morning. I was getaway. Disgusting rat. Stinking. You were about to listen to an almost two-hour episode with the magician Stephen Frayne, formerly known as Dynamo. How do you think it went? Amazing. I loved Absolutely it. Absolutely loved it, mate. I loved it. I'm so giddy. We we spoke about the reason why he's not called Dynamo anymore. We. What was your favourite um, bit? Well, he talked about him getting bullied as a child. It's not my favourite bit. <laughs> It was my favourite bit, but it was interesting. <laughs> Stay to the end as well. Post jingle, because what does he do? Magic. It does magic for us, involving a celebrity and a food. Obviously, apologies to the audio listeners, but there's no real way you can sort of just listen to the magic. You have to well, watch Well, you it. can hear me going... Wow. You freaked out. Yeah, I did. You did. It got in my head a bit. So after the podcast seemingly finishes, we'll cut back in with some actual visual magic. So stick around for that. It's a great episode. It's almost two hours long. So enjoy. Jack makes happy hour. Hello guys and welcome back to Jack Makes Happy Hour Podcast. I am here with a man who is not the man that I'm usually here with. It's Alfie Indra. How are you? Hello, very well. Why are, are you here, mate? Because Stevie is he's done a silly. Has he? Yeah. Is he done it? Well he's, he's gone got and caught the Lurgy. Yeah. My nan calls. I don't know what the Lurgy is, but he has it. I actually went to pick him up today. He came to the front of my car. I kept the window mm. up and he looked like it was like something from 28 days later. Oh. Is that a zombie film? It is. He loves something like that. He looked a bit ill. So I called you up. You thought, who do I know that never has anything going on? <laughs> and yes, I came with an hour's notice to London. <laughs> <laughs> but it is for a great cause because it's a great guest today. Mm. It's series nine. We knew we had to go big. And I don't think you can get any bigger than one of the greatest magicians in the world. It's the man who was formerly known as Dynamo. It's my good friend, Stephen Frayne. How are you, mate? Thank you, man. Good to see you, man. Good to see you. How are you? I'm all right, man. I'm good. Happy New Year. Happy Happy New New Year Year. to everybody. At what point do you stop saying Happy New Year, though? Um... Probably from now. From now. Now you just made it awkward. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it sounded like a little dig. (laughs) I'll be doing that a lot during this. I'm quite an awkward guy. You got the Dr. Dre hoodie on. You're looking fresh. Thank you, man. Like it. You're looking well. Are you you busy? How how are you? I'm good. I I was super busy before Christmas. Mm -hmm. um, And now I'm kind of in that, I'm in that secret stage where I'm coming up with new ideas. Oh. 2024, you know, I've got a lot of a, 
a lot of magic that I didn't actually get to bring to life last year. Mm-hmm. I want to kind of focus on this year as well as a lot of other opportunities that have appeared and I'm kind of excited about those. Oh, I'm so excited for it. So excited. Now, let's get the awkwardness out of the way. What do I call you? What do we call you? I mean, you call me Stephen always. Okay. Yeah, we, okay. we go way back. We do. We do. I've, I, no, do you know what? I've actually got to say a massive thank you to you, mate, because not many people will know this, but years ago I was doing a podcast as much smaller size. It was called the Jack Mate Podcast. I was renting out a little space at the YouTube studios. And I don't think I had, I think I probably had about 50,000 subscribers. And you, you agreed to come on and you just rocked up and we did it. And it was such a big name for me at the wow. time. So I just want to say massive thank you. Obviously, we've got millions of fucking subscribers now. Yeah. So. Uh, finally paying you back a little bit but thank you for that no it was good fun <laughs> I, I remember i remember um you didn't just have me though you had you had ricky gervais on there we did know. have ricky gervais. was, was that before deal. or after you i'm not actually sure but i know that in that it was in the same sort of series yeah it was it so, was yeah and eddie Hearn, maybe but... maybe i inspired him to want to that's yeah. it I'll, that's I'll it take that. that's it but or we... maybe if he was before me then i copied him <laughs> <laughs> what do you what do you think of the new studio mate it's, it's very bright. Yeah. Very bright. Um, but it, it's That's good. not a good thing. I mean, he, he hates it. No, it's good. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's proper fancy. Yeah, it's good. It's, got, it's better than the, the... Camera there, camera there, camera there. Yeah, you were asking uh, me... Surrounded. Oh, I do want to say as well, like when Stephen arrived, he was like walking around the room, just like feeling it out. I've mm. never been... And I know you, but I'm still nervous whenever you do stuff. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Kind of. I mean, I, I, I'll be honest, I get nervous just doing this sort of thing. Do you? Yeah, it's it's not my comfort zone, Right. I'm honest. Yeah. Um, but you can go up on stage and perform magic to millions and stuff like that, but you'd get nervous for a one-to-one chat. That's unusual, that, no? Yeah, because I think this is far more exposing, you know. Um, when I'm on stage performing, I, to a certain extent, have an idea in my head what I'm going to do, and I've practiced and I've worked on that performance and I'm doing magic ultimately that's the thing that I I love I feel I guess maybe more comfortable doing that whereas speaking one-to-one it's something that you know I think because when I was younger mm-hmm. I didn't really have people to conversate with I right. was always on my own which is why I ended up getting into magic because it's something that I could practice without needing to speak to anybody else right right but then the performance of it was a challenge for me because then I had to actually get in front of people yeah. and try and entertain them. But I was so nervous at just the interactive part that I just worked at making magic that was so visual that I could let the magic speak for me. Oh, fair, fair. No, that so makes sense. It's something that I've had to kind of learn to deal with. Yeah. And it's... You're great at it, though. I watched you. Mm. We shouldn't really promote other podcasts on here, but I did watch your Diary of a CEO. We're friends with Steve as well. And I thought you were great on there. I thought you were superb. Thank you. I mean, that was, yeah, that was quite, that was very nerve-wracking, that one. It's weird how he gets you as well, isn't it? Because I went on there about a year and a half ago, and I sort of went into it, and I was like, I'm not going to talk about anything deep. I'm going to be closed (laughs) off. And then he's just like, hello, welcome to Diary of a CEO. I'm like, yeah, my mum used to abuse me. (laughs) But it's weird, isn't it? How how quickly you just get into that. Yeah, but I also, I think, you know, I think, um, you know, he he took what I said and, and, you know, and kind of was very careful with it, Mm -hmm. which I appreciated. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's one one of the reasons why, you know, I get a little bit nervous about coming on these sort of shows. Right. Um, But 
you being a friend, you know, I'm like, I've always got to turn up. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it, mate. I appreciate it. Now, Stephen, we always start with the same question. I want you to imagine a magical, mystical place called the Happy Hour Hall of Fame. You can submit an item to that Hall of Fame and that will be forever immortalised within it. It can be a place, a person, a feeling, a thing. What would you like to put in there? Hmm. This is immortalised forever, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Big question, this. It's got to be a Yorkshire pudding. <laughs> so yeah. we've had someone say their mum we've had someone say the place they first went on holiday with their first girlfriend you've gone yorkshire pudding yeah <laughs> i like it you're a fan of yorkshire puddings i out? love them mate yeah i absolutely love them how do that you does. have your puddings yorkshire? my yorkshires yeah um what do you mean how do i have them well Cooked. everyone has them differently don't they gravy on it yeah we have a friend who uh doesn't have gravy on his roast, but he injects his Yorkshire puddings with brown sauce. Oh, yeah. I'm all about that. Really? Brown sauce is good. I won't inject it. I mean, that sounds a bit clinical. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, um, put a little bit of squirt of brown sauce on top every now and then. You know, brown sauce goes with everything. On a roast? Um, yeah, why not? On the roast potatoes, you know, on the meat. Wow. But, <laughs> you know, what's better, than, what's better than brown sauce, though, is this, like, balsamic vinegar glaze. I like that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can what, drink that out of the bottle. If, if you haven't tried it, like, yeah. just try it. Trust me. Um, on a Yorkshire, it. though? Yeah. On anything, mate. That that actually is true. You can have that on anything. Vinegar on anything? Square in my mouth. You cannot have vinegar on chicken nuggets. I've tried. Yeah, but it's yeah, not... But it's not vin It's like yeah. a glaze. It's... it's is it's it? It's got a distant consistency, different consistency mm. than, you know, than just, like, malt vinegar. Okay. Um, but the question is, did you have your Christmas dinner, your roast dinner... With a Yorkshire pudding or without? Uh, Fee, what did we do? You had it with. With. I, with. I went with as well. With. Yeah, yeah. Got you it. definitely did, right? Yeah, I'm always disappointed. Sometimes you go to pubs over Christmas. Yeah. You know, they do, they're doing the roast dinner on the menu and they bring it and there's no Yorkshire pudding. And then, there's been times where I've literally gone out to the shop, bought Yorkshire puddings and got them to... <laughs> no way. In the pub? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do they receive that? <laughs> They're usually pretty alright. If I do a few magic bits, some magic stuff. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Just magic a Yorkshire pudding. You don't even go to the shop. There's a pudding. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What an answer. That's unreal. Okay, that is the first Hall of Fame question of the year, and Yorkshire puddings are firmly in there. Now, Stephen, before we get into an interview about your life and everything you've done, let's do some quickfire questions, only two or three, to get to know the man behind the magic. Alfie, kick us off. So obviously we're three tatted up. Geezers, got we've got a lot of tattoos. Uh, tell us about one of yours and and which one means the most to you. Hmm. In some ways, my tattoos they're kind of all one piece, but it's been it's evolved over time. Um, but the most recent addition to it, I guess, is it's a giant angel wing tattoo that goes all the way up my neck and around my back. Um, wow. So. That's in memory of my nana. Because when she died, I felt like I wanted to make sure that she was always with me, kind of. Mm. You know? She was always the person that had my back. Right. I always kind of, you know, I always feel like she, you know, I can always imagine her putting her arm around me when things, when things weren't going great. Mm -hmm. So I've got her angel wing putting its arm around my back, but it's attached to my grandpa's wing that comes over my shoulder and down my That's front sick. of my chest. Wow. Um, so now they're kind of almost, they're enveloping me, oh. um, hugging me. Um, so I know that my nana and grandpa, the ones who ultimately got me into magic and nurtured the talent, 
Um, that's so old. nice. That's it's beautiful. So that is so and nice. The first tattoo I ever got was I got Grandpa on my neck there. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. That, he was alive when that happened. He he had a stroke. Um, so I got that while he was alive, and when he passed, I got the wing, and then when my nana passed, I kind of got the other wing, and I've got a few fallen feathers um, for each of my dogs that have passed away. Oh, mate, um, see, that's no. how so you I do tattoos. I kind of just told you about all my tattoos, but... No, that's, that's no, how that's you do so tattoos. Nice. I've got a meth dealer tattooed on mine. Yeah. Breaking Bad. Oh, away. yeah. Yeah, so it's not it's not as poetic as yours, to be fair. Yeah, but yeah, I'm glad you said you've, it's a tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you're just announcing to the world that you've got something that you need to yeah. But I always worry about if I have kids and then they have kids and they come up to me and they go, Grandad, who's that man on your leg in a yellow hood with crystals around him? I'm going to have to say one of the most famous meth dealers in the world. Listen, no, he's uh, an actor. You lead with that, don't you? Walter White's not an actor, though, is he? He's a meth dealer. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean... <laughs> You know, you could take so. it as you are, uh, you're using your body to be the canvas to create this immortalised time capsule of things that you love. Yeah. yeah. Math. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a great answer, Stephen. Let's move on to the second one. You'll uh, Imagine we give you a tenner, which we're not going to do, but if we gave you a tenner and you went into a corner shop, what are you buying? I'm already in something disappointed. <laughs> give him a tenner do you know how much it's cost this studio I'm fucking skin you're just saying you're balling look he's even got an happy hour chain do you know I, mean? I know I like, know so I'm sure you could afford a tenner uh, but it's alright I will let you I'll let it off you can you can post it to a charity okay. on my behalf okay, okay. Yeah. I will do that um, so um, what would I buy with a tenner um, I mean this is a terrible answer don't say Yorkshire puddings. <laughs> it's it's worse than that. But um, I'd probably I'd probably uh, stockpile toilet roll. Okay, I've got Crohn's disease. You know, I've spent a lot of time in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like it seems like a sensible thing to to buy. It does. Yeah. It does. Um, you know, I'm trying to have a, a, a I'm trying to have new kind of a. New Year's resolutions of like, you know, not eating as much shit, mm-hmm. like, you know, trying mm-hmm. not to eat as many sweets. So I'm trying to start, as I mean, to go on with answering this question by picking something sensible. That is very That's sensible. Good. That's good, that. that is very sensible. I need to start doing that. I'm terrible. I'm always caught bum, short. Well, I wasn't going to go into that, to be honest, on the pod. I was going to say I'm always <laughs> caught short without any loo roll. What is wrong with you, fam, though? There's, I don't know. <laughs> Tell Stephen. Sorry, what mate, you was on Diary of the CEO a few uh, weeks ago. Now you're on this. There's nothing that, it's quite... <laughs> it's all right at the minute, to be honest, mate. Be a bit loose. <laughs> Not the bum itself, but I'll the stools. Um, tell us. Uh, this is a nightmare. Uh, what's something that not many people know about you? Ooh, something that not many people know about me. Probably that I. Hmm. It's difficult because I think there's a lot of stuff about me out there mm. and I try and put the best things in. Yeah. You're quite an open person, right? Yeah. 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 There's, I'm, I'm a bit, little bit of an open book. Mm. Um, I guess, um, you know, I... My friends know this about me, but not everybody, I guess, knows about me. I'm, I'm like, insanely nocturnal. Are really? you? Yeah. I am quite a bit as well. So to what extent, what time are you going to sleep? What time are you waking up? Um, going to sleep five five thirty a.m. Right, wow. and waking up maybe eleven twelve. 
Why do you why do you think that is? Because that's pretty dead on to how I am. Literally, like, and I, I don't. I don't. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. But well, I, th- I don't think I can function any other way. Right, but yeah, if you I... listen to like Gary V and stuff like that, they're like, you got to get up at five a.m. You got to do a ten k run, then you got to go gym, then you got to buy a bitcoin. You know, I think that? you can still do all those things, but in in the time frame that I live in, right, mm. my own time zone. Yeah. Um. You know, it's it's. I think as long as you're putting in the same amount of hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially in the world we live in, you know, in the, with the internet age, you know, we, we can do everything. We don't have to work nine to five hours anymore Mm. specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that that's just the time I feel works best for me. I also think it's partly because after midnight, my phone calms down Mm. or or I don't have the same distractions that I have in the daytime. You know, I'm, I'm a loud man. So I have obligations as a, as a husband. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, uh, I have a, a dog that needs to go out and stuff like that. I have, you know, I have people um, from management or people from, you know, uh, from in business that I need to speak to. Mm-hmm. Um, and my friends are always, you know, around. Whereas, you know, from midnight onwards, I kind of have a, a level of peace and quiet. And that's when I get time to do the things for me, like work on new magic ideas, mm. you know, watch the TV shows that I want to watch that my wife doesn't want to watch. Um, do do Wordle. Um and no, I, yep, you know what, I try, I try, that's probably another thing about me that a lot of people know. I, I actually try not to get into any games or anything like that that are like super addictive. Right. Mm. Because it'll just be a mad distraction and, and I need to focus that time on creating the best magic or, or yeah. create, you know, put, I need to put that time into things that I think are important and mm. going to be, going to create things that are timeless. I'm so glad you said that because it's made me feel so much more normal about me being nocturnal. And when I t- texted you and asked if you wanted to do this, you said, um, can we do it in the afternoon because I'm not a morning person. And I was yeah, like, yeah. perfect. <laughs> that syncs up with me yeah. perfectly. I think as well, we've been, you know, like I'm fortunate that I get to do a lot of work in different countries mm-hmm. um, and I travel a lot. So I'm kind of on many different time zones. Mm-hmm. So if I'm up late, I can communicate with people in America. Right. Um, in in a time frame that works for them, you know. Yeah. Um, I you know, so it does actually work for me. Yeah. Um, but it it's kind of um, it's not necessarily I don't think the normal thing. No. Especially it's not the thing that's promoted by people who are like you know people like Gary Vee and stuff like that, who mm. I actually think is a genius. You mm. know, I think some of ninety percent of the stuff he comes out of is amazing. Um, but I think you don't have to take it exactly as prescribed no no do what works for you love it now let's take it back Stephen. back to the early days you grew up in bradford yep you were in bradford recently weren't you i was what do you think what do you think of it i thought the football ground was nice yeah the town itself didn't see too much of it no just out, well, it's a city isn't it it's a city. yeah yeah we went we went there a couple so years you said ago. that but i can't remember it we went we went there we did a video we went round and we hit a golden ticket in every city in the uk and Bradford, we when we rated them... Are they still looking for it in Bradford? Uh, <laughs> I think they found it pretty quickly. Um, I think we've we, we got to be honest. Stephen's a friend, we can be honest. Bradford did not stack high on our lists of, of cities. Yeah, it's fine. I'm, like, I'm from there. It's not the, uh, it wasn't the easiest place to go. No. What was uh, it like to grow it up? It was, I mean, generally quite poor and not necessarily maintained or managed very well by people that do have the money to make it make it nicer right um, right but then at the same time i think that at times when things were made nicer there were idiots around who 
just kind of, you know, messed it all up again. Mm. Um, you know, it's, there's a lot of incredibly good people yeah. and a lot of undiscovered talent that, that just falls by the wayside because people wouldn't give people from where I'm from the opportunity. Right. And that's sad. Mm. But at the same time, I think I can, I can understand it. I couldn't understand it when I was living there myself and growing up in it. I just mm -hmm. felt like it was us against the world and I didn't understand why the world hated us. Right. Um, but seeing more of the world and kind of, you know, growing up and maturing, you know, I realise um, just, I realise now how poor I was. But when you're living in it and you're surrounded by other poor people and you're mm -hmm. surrounded by people who, you know, you're surrounded by the environment where everybody is in the same boat, mm -hmm. then you don't notice it as much, you know. Yeah. It's as I've got older, I've it's depressed me now looking back at things more so than when I was actually in it. That is a hundred percent. I'm from a council estate in Norwich as well. I know you're from a from a council estate. And isn't it crazy that like when I look back on it now, we just found stuff to do. Yeah. But, but it was nothing like if, if that makes sense like we weren't really we weren't spending any money um I we just, didn't have any money to spend exactly exactly um so how, what did you do as a kid in bradford before you discovered magic what would you do to kill the time well i mean i i did some naughty stuff uh, at times i, I got kicked out of school once did um, you go yeah. on what for yeah okay. come on this is the good stuff yeah we were um <laughs> I was hanging out with a with a gang of lads um, at school. Oh, there was there was actually some some girls as well in in this crew, and I don't know why we decided that this was the thing to do, but we were going around um, and stealing like the tags off of back of cars. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Beastie Boy them. style. Yeah, Wearing Beastie Boy style. Yeah. And then they were like, it was like swapsies. You know, most people, you know, they'd buy pogs or they'd yeah. buy you know yeah. like stickers and stuff like that. <laughs> mm -hmm. But we would that's what we were swapping around, you know, and wearing around our necks like happy hour around yours. Um, <laughs> I saw a meme yesterday that was uh, online somewhere that said everyone's first crime and it was them dust cap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so true yeah. though, isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, we, yeah, because um, there was, we, we, we actually did quite a bit as well because there was a time when everyone had these like nice BMXs mm -hmm. um, and they had these like really cool dust caps for yeah. them. Like they weren't, they were like, you know, eight balls. Or, or a die. A yeah. die as well. But we were stealing them. Yeah. Um, we didn't have bikes to put them on. <laughs> we were just, you know, stealing them and then, you know. It's like, like currency, isn't sell it? Them, sell them back to them. <laughs> it's like crazy bones or something. I remember yeah. when. But yeah, no, I, think, I think, you know, I like football was a thing that, you know, we all did because, you know, between one of us, someone's going to have a football. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To kick around. Are you any good um, at football? I think I was quite good when I was a kid, mm. but as I got older, um, and as I got older, I didn't really kind of bulk out like the rest of my friends, you know. Right. Like so, I was a real skinny, skinny kid and a Winger. skinny teenager. Winger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't think I was quite fast enough. Right. Um, okay. So like, basically, you know, if a defender comes at me, you know, it's, I'm going down straight away. Yeah. Um, but then I guess you can dribble without even touching the ball, can't you? Just yeah. move it with your mind. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I think, you know, football, um, there was a phase where I was trying to be an ice hockey player. Oh, wow. Yeah, because Bradford's got an ice rink and they have a junior team. Mm. Uh, the, I think they're the Bulldogs. They might, I think the Bulldogs back then anyway. Mm. Um, and the junior team, the, all the training elements of it, 
you, you could go there and they would lend you all of the gear. Right. But then when I got past the age of being able to play as a junior, I couldn't afford to buy kit. And you need the thing when you actually join, you know, the, like the teenage team, so to speak, mm-hmm. then you had to buy your own equipment. And I just, you know, it wasn't a sort of thing I could afford to yeah. do. So I still used to go ice skating a lot because um, my... I, I had friends who worked in the actual bit where they give out where they swap with the boot, the shoes for the skates. Oh yeah. Um, How's you get them free? Yeah, well, well, you'd pay like a pound to get in and not skate. Right. But then you what? have to pay extra to like, skate. So yeah, just wear the shoes. Yeah, yeah. You know, you you could pay like you could pay to go into the ice rink, right, right. and just watch your friends and go to the restaurant in there oh, and hang right. out. Oh, I see. Yeah. But to get the skates, you had to pay extra. It was, I think, uh, it was about eight pound. The, um, the skate. Why can't you um, bring your own skates in um, your little bag, little side bag? You, well, you could probably bring your own skates, but there were people checking you. They check your bags when you go uh, in. Oh, right, you okay. Know. Cool. Um, but, um, yeah, the, I knew the guys working in the in the bit where they give you the skates, and they would always hook me up. Nice. No so, yeah, and, if, you know, it's, the ice rink's still in Bradford. So, like, if I ever go back to Bradford, I always try and go for a skate. I love that. I, I could never it. do it. I could never do it. Same. Too no. lanky. Too tall, I don't know, do you think? Look, ah, look, no, look, like a swan. Like a swan? How many tall swans are you seeing? A lot, a lot. <laughs> Long necks. All the heights in the neck. <laughs> Have I got a big neck? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. Do you know what I used to do as a kid? To You'd be a good ice hockey player. Like, you... Nah, yeah, I'm you gangly, mate. You're not gangly. What are you doing? What's that? That's, that's Peter Crouch. Yeah. yeah. That's football, not ice hockey. just gone, Jack, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really want to tell you about this because I think this is a bit crazy. I just want to see what, what you think. But when I was a kid, I used to... I used to the, you know the David Blaine stunts, like the endurance stunts, you've, you've done them. But I saw... What one did he do? I think it was... It was him who did the glass boxing. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. I remember I watched that as a kid and then I thought, I'm going to copy that. But... <laughs> But obviously, I couldn't get a glass box. So no, it wasn't a glass box. It was a. He stood on a bollard, like yeah, on a, yeah. On he, a stood, pole. he stood in a pole in a, in New York, I think it was. That's the one. It's come to me now. And I stood. I went and stood on a bollard <laughs> in a park for free. For free. For what? For three hours. What? So, on my own. You didn't film it. I didn't film it. What's it for? I then? swear on my life, this happened. So I've gone down there. <laughs> And I've stood on this bollard <laughs> and people are walking past and so a few people ask me, like blokes with dogs and that, like, what are you up to? I was like, just doing a magic doing Just doing a- magic. <laughs> just doing a magic trick. So how come I didn't did go on? Did anybody like know that you were doing this or were you just standing on the bollard? I was just standing on the bollard. You had it like Told everybody, I'm going to do this for three hours, sponsor me. Didn't, t- didn't tell anyone, just went down there one day and three hours... I plan to do more, <laughs> but I got bored. <laughs> so what I want to know is how come I don't have a successful successful career in magic and you do? I mean, you probably should have told people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I think David Blaine stood for like 30 hours or something. Yes, but he said, guys, I'm going to be standing on this thing for 30 hours. Right. Someone bring a camera. <laughs> Right. You just went and did it and expected what the local paper to come down and go. What's no, this I didn't doing? care if anyone knew. I just wanted like the one person to walk past. It was just for you. Yeah, but he did thirty. You, you accomplished three hours though. Did, did you feel that's a long feel time? Five when he did that. He did thirty. I did three. That's ten percent. I'm ten percent of blame. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. 
That's quite impressive for a kid to be doing 10%, though. Probably about 13. Should have been doing other stuff, really. How did you not fall <laughs> off I should it? have been nicking dust out. <laughs> How did you stay balanced? Oh, mate, it was only about that high. It's a little... And you could get two feet on it? Get two feet on there, yeah. yeah. You just you stood there for three hours? Slow bottom park. Lovely. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> when was when was your first... Counselor state life. Yeah, exactly. But that was... So if I was now a famous magician, I would be able to sit on podcasts and say, that was where it all began. Where did it all begin? Have you done, like... An attempt at like the longest podcast. Is there such a thing? Uh, we did think about doing it for charity at one point, um, but I think it's like 28 hours or something like that. You can smash that. Can I? That's not yeah. even that bad. You stood on a bollard for free. How long you got today? So about- you're nocturnal as well. So yeah. You're, yeah. You're going to be fine in the mid, in the like, in the, you know, in the nighttime hours. We're, we're half, half an hour in now. We just give it a bash now if you want. I mean, your management's yeah. looking pretty scared over there. You got 27 and a half hours free? <laughs> How long's on your parking? <laughs> That's, so, so uh, Stephen, when when was your first ever little glimmer of, oh, I quite like magic, the first thing you can remember? This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. The National Women's Soccer League kicks off March 16th on ION. It's a new Saturday night destination featuring the best players in the world. Yeah. 25 Saturday nights, 50 matches, all season long on ION. Alan Gretchen Williams slips through, here's a shot, and it's in! This is a game changer for sports. Savinia takes a shot herself! Hammers it home! Oh my goodness! See the full schedule and find where to watch at IONNWSL.com. I mean, I think I liked magic the second that my grandpa showed me magic, like when he performed it to me. I right. didn't know how to do it myself. Um, but that moment, I was like, that's incredible. You know, that's something I wish I could do. And I just wanted to be like my grandpa. Mm. You know, you know. Was it? Was he Was he a magician? Was he a good magician? Or was he a granddad doing a trick sort of thing? Looking back now, yeah. granddad doing a trick. <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, but more, you know, when he first showed me magic, when I was like, you know, like nine, ten years old, I was like, this is insane. Mm. You know, um, you know, I didn't learn to do any magic myself till I was like a little bit old, like, you know, like 12 years old sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, like it was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. And it was weird. It gave me a little bit of hope and inspiration that there was more to the world than what I was actually seeing right. in the environment I was in. So, so that little glimmer of, kind of amazement became a glimmer of hope. Mm. What 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 is magic to you then? Magic for me is a feeling. It's an emotion that you get where all of us are capable of feeling this. Mm-hmm. When you experience something you can't explain or something that is overwhelmingly like not necessarily positive but an experience to you. It could be from for example like holding your newborn baby when you first have a child. That feeling you get is euphoric. You can't explain it. It's mm. other than magical, right? You know, it could be watching your favourite footballer score a goal. It could be standing on a 
platform for three hours in a park as a kid, knowing you've not achieved something that nobody else knows about. You know, um, you know, but like, I think for me, the one thing that I've realized over the last few years is that I create that feeling with my performances, right? But every single one of us has the ability to give that feeling to others without doing the magic that I do. Right. Like, you know, you can do a good deed for someone today and that can feel like magic for somebody else. And I think, you know, there's so much magic in the world that goes unnoticed. Um, you know, for me, I think what I've been really focusing on is how do I take my magic and use it to shine a light on those kind of unsung heroes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and just remind people that, you know, I know things have been tough for look, for everybody since COVID and, you know, and, and over the last few years, there's always, there's lots of horrible things going on in the world all mm -hmm. the time. Um, and I think we need things to kind of lift us up at, at times like this. And, you know, it doesn't just have to be from the magic I do. Um, that's what I'm going to try to do with my magic is, you know, put smiles on people's faces. But I think you guys doing this podcast, you know, it's the happy hour for a reason. It makes people feel happy watching it. Oh, mm. that's so, so lovely. You're just the sub host though, aren't you? So you don't yeah. really... I'm just, you I'm like really... the rabbit that gets pulled out the hat. <laughs> <laughs> but if you hadn't have been available to do this podcast today, then you'd have been on your own. And yeah. It wouldn't have been as magical. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like it'd have been more magical. I feel like we'd have had a sort of stronger connection. Okay. Yeah. We wouldn't have had to keep like awkwardly. Yeah. Wouldn't Turn. be the smell in the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You ever stood on a bollard for three hours? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I remember going back, going back to that podcast we did all those years ago in the YouTube studio, you told me, a great story, a story that stuck with me and it might feel weird telling me again, um, but we have a bigger audience now. I know Alfie's not heard this, but I remember you saying about how you first started magic to combat sort of the bullying that you were receiving at school. Yeah, yeah. And it was that story about the lake going down to oh, the, the lake. Dam. Yeah, the dam. Could you tell us and the happy hour listeners about that? Because I think it's yeah, an incredible so, story. Yeah, so, so the estate I grew up on, Delph Hill, there's a big, massive field, and then there's this dam, which is like it's like a, a lake essentially, in the middle. Um, that and on the other side of it is Woodside Estate, um, and every year, the kids from Woodside Estate and the kids from Delphill Estate would meet there and have a bit of a fight. <laughs> like it was a thing; it was a, a yearly thing. Like Green happened, Street, right? To, yeah, to see who you know who's the who's the toughest estate, right? Um, and when right throughout the year, it's only the cool kids who got to hang out at the dam. And one day I got invited down there and I was like, yeah, you know, I've made it. You know, I'm finally I'm being recognized as one of the cool kids on the estate. Yeah, I was so wrong. I got there and the cool kids were there, but they'd only got me there because they knew that I didn't know how to swim. Because we at school we'd been like having swimming lessons and I wasn't doing my lessons because I was so basic, um, so the kids had spotted that, so then they knew that basically that I couldn't swim and they thought it'd be funny to throw me into the dam and watch what? me flail around and panic, and it was the I still remember it to this day. It was the most scariest thing ever. I don't know if you've ever had the feeling of being like you're drowning. Um, it's yeah, it's absolutely horrible, mm. petrifying. Yeah. And thankfully, a good friend of mine, someone I still speak to today, Wayne Jowett, uh, he jumped in and saved me and pulled me out. And I remember 
like running back up the hill because whatever damage is a big hill that takes you back called the black hill takes you up to um back up to the estate and i remember running home um crying and you know it was kind of one of the moments that was quite pivotal for me because i realized i never wanted to be in a position where someone could kind of you know do that to me again mm. um and you know and it kind of made me want to you know it 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 gave me the fire to want to get off the estate and to get out of this environment. Mm. And, you know, here we are. Yeah. And and last time you said that it wasn't like necessarily like inspiration, but it's kind of like gone full circle now because you obviously did the huge illusion, the trick yeah, with, the, yeah. with the walking on water. Mm. So it's like yeah. gone full yeah. circle to... It's almost like, it's like, that's like the biggest kind of, you know, middle finger to the people that did that to me. That's so yeah. good. Yeah, and I, I think there was a lot of that sort of stuff happened, which when you're going through it at school, you know, kids are cool. You know what I mean? Things happen in the playground all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was one of the smaller kids, so I was an easy target. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think anyone watching now who's having a tough time at school, you know, it, you're not alone. It happens to the best of us. Um, you know, don't feel afraid to kind of speak up about it. You mm. know, I know there's that whole thing, you know, um, don't tell the teachers, but no, like you got to save yourself. Yeah, no, absolutely. No one else is save you. Yeah. yeah, like you know, in and trust me, if you look back in ten years' time, you know, them school days, you know, like you won't even remember. Mm. You remember the pain, and you remember certain things that happened. But you, at school, I think it's very easy to kind of try and, you know, play to the rules of the playground mm. when that are set when you're there. Mm. But as you get older and go into the adult world them rules don't even exist anymore. Mm. The the things that you thought were cool when you was a kid, they're not nah, cool anymore. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. The, thing, the people that said things to you growing up, um, like, often have a look where they are now mm. and where you are and see, you know, and... That's such a good point. And I, I love the, the the message there about don't be, don't be afraid to tell the teachers because I remember there was a guy that used to sort of bully me. Um, not every day, but like one, once every so often. And I remember once um, I... He smashed a cheese sandwich into my head for some reason. It was weird. Mm. But I went and told the teacher and then he obviously got in trouble for it. But I got called a grass, but I never gave a shit about that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, I yeah. might be a, a grass if that's what you want to call it, but I'm not getting cheese sandwiches smashed inside of my head. So, yeah, go and tell the teachers and speak yeah. up and stuff. Like, I, I actually, it's weird. Um, a girl messaged me on Instagram. And it's a girl from school that I went to school with, and she was one of the one of the fittest girls in school. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, I didn't even know that she even noticed who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and she messaged me because she told me that years ago, when I was go- when I was I was at White Manor, and every day at dinner time, there was a couple of guys who'd run up behind me, would attack me to the floor, and take my dinner money off me. And then, so for like at least two weeks, I didn't get any dinner. Um, you know, I'd go to the place called the Candy Cabin, which uh, Donald, the owner, um, he was, he knew my mum. So like, he'd, he'd give me like a free sandwich or something. Do you know what I mean? So I wasn't totally going about all the time, mm-hmm. but it was so embarrassing. And it got to a point where these guys, like they weren't even shaking me down behind closed doors or like around the back of the, you know, bike sheds or whatever. They were doing it. Like it got to a point where they didn't care anymore. And they would do this to me in front of people. Wow. And no one seemed Jesus. to do anything. No one stopped. No one did anything. And then later down the line, um, I got called into the office and someone 
the teachers asked me like what's going on and said somebody had you know made them aware of what was going on and these guys ended up getting expelled also i think they got suspended but yeah you know they got yeah. picked out of school yeah. and got, got told off on that lot but i never knew like who like i'd never told anybody and i didn't know who told anyone you know what i mean and i know i remember them going around the school and like beating up people they thought had told oh wow people. um and it was like it was one of those mysteries i was i was so glad that someone had spoke up on mm. my behalf mm. right because I was so scared myself to say anything. But then I got this message on Instagram of this girl, a blast from the past, this, one of the fittest girls at school, mm. a girl called Rachel. And she just goes, oh, yeah, I'm so glad you've done well for yourself because I, I was the one back in the day who told the teachers what was going wow, on. Wow, I love that. And I was like, I'm like thinking, man, like, you were fit. I wish you'd have told me that you knew me then because, you know, we could have been friends. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't, like, I didn't even know that this girl even knew who I was. Yeah. So, you know, so it was it was kind of an amazing thing. Um, and, and I think that's the thing, you know, you, you always, you don't always realise, you know, um, who's watching mm. or who's, mm. who's there for you. Yeah. Um, and there is always somebody, I think, they're willing to help. It's just you have to take that little bit of courage to ask for that help in the first place. Have you ever had any correspondence to the same people that bullied you now yeah. you've gone on to be this global superstar? Because that must be fucking sweet if you have. <laughs> um, one of them's dead. Uh, oh, Jesus. And I know that because his, his brother ended up becoming a security guard um, and I, I saw his brother. His brother was actually quite nice to me right. when he met me and he told me about his brother had, had um, passed away oh mad um, and then the uh, who else have I, I've, so this was the funniest one I was filming for my first ever it was Channel 4 show mm -hmm. back in the day it was a it was a it's called Dynamo's Estate of Mind right and we were filming on a bus that was driving through Bradford it was the same bus that I used to get to go to college it was a 268 bus Right. And we took that route because I wanted to kind of, you know, that's the route I used to take to go to college. And I'd always do magic on that bus to people because uh, it was like to get to college. It took me about an hour and 20 minutes. Oh, fucking Because uh, I, I purposely went to a college that mm -hmm. was quite far away from the school I went to right. because I wanted a fresh start. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I went to Batley School of Art and Design, mm -hmm. which is part of Dewsbury College. Right. So a 268 bus takes me all the way there. Um, but you're on there for like an hour and 20 minutes. And we're filming on this bus. This is um, this is on past school, you know. I've kind of got my bit of my break, you know. I've had a bit of success. How old are you at this point? Sorry, I was like maybe maybe twenty five. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. And and I I basically filming this show, and I want one of the things I was going to do is I was going to kind of recreate one of my favourite pieces of magic from back then where I threw cards at the bus window and their card appeared on the other side of the glass. Okay, wow. yeah, right? yeah. Um, and I reached over to this guy and I goes, hey, what's, hey, how you doing? What's your name? And he, he told me his name. Uh, he goes, hey, it's, it's Andrew. And then, and I did all this magic to him, right? And he was, it was great. You know, he reacted great and everything. But then when, at the end, we had to give him a release form to sign. Yeah. And as he's filling in the release form, I'm reading, I'm like, wait a minute, I know you. And it was one of the guys who literally no way. Guys who used to take my money off me. Wow. Every day. But he'd when he was at school, like he had like crazy hair. Yeah. Yeah. And this guy had a skinhead and he'd and obviously he was grown. Now it's like, you know, it was like ten years later. Yeah. So I didn't recognise him. 
and he knew me like he he knew it was me straight away right. oh really yeah. oh and then and he just he goes oh i'm so glad you've done well for yourself like you know it was like it wasn't like a bitter sweet moment because i think by the time i realized he'd we'd had a pleasant experience yeah together you know i'd filmed what i was filming he'd enjoyed it i'd got what i needed and mm. and it was a great piece of magic mm. um but it that moment when i seen him and saw you know saw that and experienced it like it was kind of strange because i think the reason why i feel like it wasn't a uh, a negative experience and maybe this just says more about me than anything else is his reaction to the magic and the way he was towards me i felt like was the validation I'd always wanted from him. Mm. He was one of the cool guys at school and mm. I always wanted him to like me. And at the beginning, when they first started taking money off me, mm. I was kind of subservient, thinking that maybe it's going to get me in their good graces. Right, right. And at the time, when they were doing that to me, they were stopping other people from beating me up. So mm. it was like they could do it. But so I mean, if you look at it, it's a bit of a racket, isn't it? I was basically paying for them for protection without mm. realizing it yeah um but yeah so i think when you know when i saw this guy on the bus and you know and he was really cool with me and he respected what i was what i'd grown into yeah i felt like i'd got some validation but you're maybe, not doing it on his terms either you're doing it on your terms. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly but i know but, I, but but then on the flip side of it looking at it that way it's like why did i need his validation yeah know? and that's what i was trying to get at when i was talking about things in school that happen mm. like validation of people in school is irrelevant when you become an adult yeah 100 you know we we put so much emphasis and school becomes our entire life and our entire world and i think it's easy to think that our world will be destroyed if we don't make all the friends at school yeah but there's a whole different life that you get out of school and <laughs> I, you have to become an adult i feel that like i'm somebody that really does crave validation though i know that's not a good thing not well it's not a good thing not a bad thing but i still i feel like that's why i do podcasts and live stuff and stuff do when you're up there doing your magic what is what's the main driving factor behind that what 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 are you going up there to get what because you 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 made your money you made your name you were a huge name you didn't need to keep doing it what what was that one thing was it was it validation if i'm honest at the beginning probably yeah right yeah at the beginning i wanted to feel worth something i wanted to feel special mm -hmm. and performing magic was the one thing that would get other people to be like you're cool that's sick that's amazing and it made me feel amazing it was like a drug almost mm. you know mm. and the more i got it the more i wanted it mm. but then i realized as i've become older and got more mature that I was looking and seeking the wrong type of validation. And I think now, for me, one of the reasons why I can't stop is that I've realized how lucky I am to be able to do something that I can share that inspires hope in other people. Mm. And when I go back to when I first saw my grandpa do it, that's what it did to me. Mm. But for a while, when I took it, I used it irresponsibly because I was using it for the wrong things to make me feel better about myself 
when what I've realized is it's a tool that can be used to make other people feel better about themselves. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I see what you mean. It must feel amazing yeah. to be able to give that feeling that you got from your grandpa to somebody else. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. I I think when I first um when he, when my grandpa first shared some of the secrets with me and first started teaching me how to do it myself, um and I started performing to people and they were treating me in a different way that I never had before. Like, I think maybe there was a little bit of ego crept in mm. and made me think I was better than other people. Right. Um, and and it was a bit of a like, you know, I was trying to get my own back on some people. Do you know what I mean? I was trying to like show people finally, yeah, all right, you know, look what I can do and you can't. Mm. But I think that was the wrong thing. And, you know, it it's not like I that stayed with me for that long no i was gonna say i've never like i said i think it was 2017 when i first met you and the one thing that struck me about you was how little of an ego you had like like i said at the start of the show like i was i was like no one in terms of the youtube sphere like i had no numbers but you came in and you almost seemed like honored to be on that show even though it was just i mean you know i'm I'm looking like i should have never made it off the estate you know if i look at People from where I'm from, you know, it's not an easy place to escape. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm so lucky to be one of the fortunate few that has been able to to do what I do. And, and not not just in magic, anybody who can kind of come from that environment and make something of themselves, that's mm. like one of the most amazing things ever. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, so for me being here right now, like it's about hoping that somebody from the environment where I'm from sees it and maybe then aspires to be able to do that themselves. Mm. Because I think it's all about representation. And I think if the people that you look up to, you can't relate to in any way, then how can you imagine ever being in that position? Yeah. Whereas, you know, I am still that kid from Bradford. And the kids from Bradford who watch this they can be me. They might not do magic the way I do it, yeah. but they can find their own magic and do something. And you might be interviewing one of them in years to come. Oh yeah. The, the, yeah. the, the, the you're, you're one of our bigger guests. The bar's very low. Anyone from Bradford that want to come on, just keep, <laughs> ping me a DM and we're, if you're free on a first day, you can come on to be fair. But let's, um, let's go back to, was it 2004 that you moved to London from Bradford? Uh, I was coming down kind of from, I started coming down in 2001, I think, okay. was the first time I came down. Is that Was that not a massive risk then? I cause... came down to Hackney uh, to this thing called Young Voices, uh, Urban Voices. Okay. It was, uh, it was like, it was like, it was like uh, The Voice or X Factor, but like 15 years prior, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wasn't like as organised as that, do you know what I mean? Right. Um, I came down with, um, with a guy called The Meal from Mapper Youth Club. And he was bringing down Juice Crew. That was the local rap crew. Right. They were they were like so solid crew, but from Bradford. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, rapping in Yorkshire accent. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we came down there for that competition, and uh, that was my first time in London. And I remember, I I went to Covent Garden for the first time mm-hmm. to place to St James Street Corner, which is called Ma- Magicians Corner. Right. Which is yeah. Where all the magic acts before. Yeah. Oh. And that's and I knew then I was like, you know what, one day I'm going to come back and I'm going to do magic here. And did you? Yeah. Well, what was the how was it doing street magic for the first time? Like, yeah, just being some bloke that's quite good at like card tricks and then just walking out onto the street <laughs> and just going, 
Right, I'm going to do this now. I mean, it was so hard to build a crowd. I bet. I, 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 it took me like... Tell me about it, mate. That bollard, I was stood up there and no one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, like, there's a real art to it. Like, if you go and see the street performers in Covent Garden, mm. like, they, how they build a crowd is, is like, it's incredible. You know, there's such a nuance to it. And it's, it's not, like, an easy thing for anyone to do. But the way I look at it is if you can perform there, then you can perform anywhere. Really, yeah. Yeah, it gives you such a good foundation as a performer. And not even just um, magicians. Like, you know, you see buskers on guitars and singers and yeah. you know, drummers and stuff, you know, do it performing on the streets. And I think any performer, like, I would I would say just one time, just challenge yourself to go out there and, and give it a go on the streets. You know, you don't have to do it for money. You can just go and, yeah. you can go and busk and give it all to charity if you want. But, like, I think the, the way the you the way it challenges you as a performer um is different from any other mm. platform that you can perform on have, have you done it because Al, alfie's a musician have you never done i've never had not... the guts to busk ever no no you think you're, you think you're above it do you I think I'm below it i think <laughs> um, i I think buskers are so talented yeah, and no. i and I'm just I would just not be well, on the well, level they, we well, had the one thing I realized though is when I was doing it it's like those buskers that you see that are so talented that maybe make you think that you're not good enough to do it because you're not as good as them, they were once at your level. Mm, and true. They, they once had to take that leap and do it. Yeah, and such a scary thing they, though. And you learn so fast from doing things that challenge you. Mm. You know, you. I think there's a big misconception about, you know, people not doing things because they're scared to, to fail at it. Mm. And I think whereas... I've learned more from everything I've failed at than any of my successes. Were there times on your come up where if things were tough, like in making it and you wanted to quit? Oh, yeah. Like, all the time. Mm. I even still get that now. You know, I, st I get times where I feel that I'm not good enough or I'm not going to be able to top some of my past work. And then I think, well, I'm scared to then release something, even down to posting videos on Instagram. You know, mm. like it's it's mad because I'm like, I post a video and it might not get, it, I might think it's the best video since sliced bread, you know what I mean? Yeah. But then it doesn't get loads of views. But then I'm, then I'm like, I'm putting, I'm putting the quality of video purely on the validation of other people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Algorithm. yeah. And yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why I probably kind of I enjoyed not being on social media for the last few years. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, I I was finally creating magic again with no purpose of it being other than for me. Mm. You know what I mean, mm -hmm. I've got I've got loads of videos on my on my uh, Mac um, mm. at home that might never even get released, but they're just magic videos that I wanted to make just for me and I didn't care if they weren't made for other people to see them. Yeah. And that's how you know that truly is your passion if you're doing it behind 100%. closed doors with no sort of gain. Um, but you, everything you said there, like I, I relate to so much. There's like even, I know it's a different sort of scale, but why I don't upload on the main channel now. We were making mm. bangers, weren't we? That were getting mm. millions of views, like proper good videos. Yeah. And then you, it, it can you, be so disheartening when you put one out and it doesn't get that. And then well, yeah. yeah. But then on the other side of that, when it when one does do really well, you're then I'm then scared to follow it up because yeah. I'm like, I can't follow yeah, up. Yeah. I can't follow yeah. up. That. I was thinking that the other day you know the one out of ten thing yeah so i've been posting on this new youtube channel and i just want this the latest video to do well and you're comparing it to the one last week and you're almost wanting the one last week 
to be shit. Yeah. And then the next one, you're wanting to beat that one. And the next one, you're wanting to beat that one. And it's just... It's it, a vicious circle, it, I think, it? like, the, the generation maybe below us, it's like this weird upload anxiety where, like... There's a lot of pressure on them, yeah. You just validate your self-worth for people literally tapping twice on a screen. And, like, I turn my Instagram likes off if one of my posts don't get as like, <laughs> right. many... You know, you can hide your like count on Instagram so yeah. no one can see. If I post one, it gets, like, 4,000 likes. I'm like, oh, fuck's sake. Yeah. I hide it. And I never wanted to be that guy. Like, I never yeah. wanted to be that guy. I always just wanted to be like, I'll just say what I think, I'll have a laugh and yeah. not give a shit. And it's so quickly how... It's, so it's so much, weird how quickly you fall. fall yeah, into, there's yeah. so much chat, though, in, like, especially the YouTube scene for like, oh, you're not relevant anymore. He's not relevant. She's not relevant. Yeah. And it's like, it, it makes this pressure yeah. of like trying to st- still, like, oh, people do still like me. People do. Mm. It's like that, isn't it? Were you, it's weird. Were you worried? Because you, you've, you've taken a, you, you had taken a step back from sort of everyone's TV screens for a while. Were you worried the, the pressure of, of coming back? Would people still care? Would people still love you? Because you are one of the biggest magicians in the world. It's going to be hard to lose that stature. But was that a worry for you? I think so, because I think it wasn't like, I wasn't scared of, like, not putting out magic to a certain extent. I knew I had ideas. I think the thing that's scary is that I've evolved and changed as a person in the last four or five years. I'm kind of, I have different different types of magic ideas than mm. I did when I was making my old TV shows. Mm-hmm. And I think they were a success and they were done a certain way. But I think it's important to to constantly grow and not always, not just stick to the formula of what works, mm-hmm. you know, and to try and challenge yourself. And I've, you know, I made this TV show, uh, Dynamo is Dead, where it's very different from my old magic. You know, there's elements of the nostalgia of it that I'm, I'm still performing close-up magic for people um you know in in the show obviously i performed it for like for big big stars it's but, great it's a great show by the way if anyone hasn't seen it it's on sky isn't yeah, it it's yeah on sky. and you can see it on you can see it on now tv as well yeah yeah um yeah um but i think one of the things i tried to do and i don't know how obvious it was when you're watching it just as a as a viewer mm. but for me is i tried to have as much of the magic that i performed on the show as possible happen in the spectator's hands. Like, if you notice, it was Dave Chappelle who solved the Rubik's Cube behind his back. Yeah. It was Stephen Bartlett who separated the cards. And the razor in the mouth. The razor, it was Bugsy Malone yeah. who made the decisions. Yeah. You know, it was all about showing how we all are capable of creating magical moments. Yeah. And it, I know I'm there and I'm a conduit in some sense on my own show. Mm. Um, but that was the thing I was trying to do. But at the same time... I had that worry, well, I know people want to see me do magic. Will they appreciate it when I put this twist on it that I've never done before? Oh, mate, mm. it was it was fucking incredible. Like, the, the two stand-up bits for me, and I don't want to give anything away to people who haven't seen it, but the Rubik's Cube, that was up there, and the Stephen Bartlett sorting the cards out. Because yeah, yeah. we know you can do magic, <laughs> right, Stephen? We've seen that for years. But Stephen Bartlett, he does podcasts and drink cool. <laughs> yeah. and that's, eats it now and it and eats yeah. it now yeah so that was that was incredible it's a, it's a great show what why was it why was it now that you've cut you've come back as we say you took a bit of a hiatus what why now why was the time right 
I mean, partly due to the fact that, uh, that Sky TV have a schedule that I have to deliver a show for in time. Right, yeah, um, yeah. But, um, but no, I... I um, <laughs> I started, Refreshingly honest. <laughs> I, I started, I started um, conceiving the notion of the idea of the show um, in right at the beginning of like 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, it was about a month after I tried to take my own life and I was, I was going through therapy at the time. Mm-hmm. I was kind of finding things out about myself through through my therapy sessions with Edward, um, that he's my therapist by the way, um, that um, that started to kind of you know I started to try and channel the pain I was feeling and put it into the magic and mm-hmm. find a new way to share what I do, um, and I ended up reading the Twelve Steps book, which was recommended to me. Now I've never drank or done drugs. Um, That's the Alcoholic Anonymous book, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I got the little blue book. Yeah. Uh, there's a big, you can get the big book as mm. well. Um, you can get it on Amazon. Um, now, I read that, but I knew that it, was, it wasn't it was necessarily intended for me to read mm-hmm. as, as a non-drinker, mm-hmm. um, you know. Um, but it's loads of incredible short stories of how people have overcome different traumas of addiction in their life. Mm-hmm. And... It kind of was one of the first things that that showed me that other people have problems and there's not a one-size-fits-all way of fixing the problem, mm-hmm. but here's loads of short stories of different ways to try and fix it and stories where people have failed even and but then still gone on to find a different way. So it just made me feel like, okay, you know what, I, I need to take time with myself and I need to work through this and not every way I'm working through it is going to make me feel better. Right. Some things are going to make me feel worse to begin with in order to hit the rock bottom in order to kind of find a way back. Mm -hmm. And we got another day of NBA action and with FanDuel every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Twenty-one plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Ten dollars first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable. Bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com/sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler. Icy hot starts working instantly to dull the pain with the icy cool sensation. Then the warming sensation relaxes it away. Feel the power of Icy Hot's contrast therapy. Ice works fast. Heat makes it last. Icy Hot. After reading that, I started to read other books on and search out stories of, of inspirational people 
um, who'd overcome their own adversities mm-hmm. in their own ways, and they were the people that ended up being on the show. Yeah, um, there was some that I was aiming for. I was, you know, I'm still manifesting some people, like Dr. Dre is, a, <laughs> is one of them. Um, right, yeah. right, yeah. You know, um, and he was so close to getting Dr. Dre oh. on the show. We 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 met in we met in London and hung out, and we oh wow, wow. and then and then it it, it killed me when I was in America mm. filming. Dre was on a plane back to London. Wow. Um, so so we we missed each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I got I got I, when we hung out I got some like camera phone footage magic which you know I've never put that out anywhere. Yeah. Um, but you know I wanted to I wanted to document some stuff some some stuff properly. That's superb. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe that could be you know in the future. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Um, Mate, well you, know, you put it out there. This this, but, this leads me on to my sort of next question. You have performed magic for some of the biggest stars in the world like anyone you can think of on there i'll just read a few now off my sheet so tyson fury snoop dogg coldplay emma watson prince charles jay-z brad pitt the list goes on if i had to press you for a moment that stands out for you as a real fuck like that was a cool moment you have to pick one what would you go for um i mean it's gotta be hanging out with Tony Hawk at his private yeah. skate park, yeah. seeing the absolute legend just do what he does best, do his magic. I mean, like I've been, I've always kind of dabbled with skateboarding for as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I've never, I was never any good. I was okay at best. Um, but then I got to a point where when I started working on my magic, I realized how important my hands were and I basically stopped skateboarding because I didn't want to break break my wrist or you know I I'd broke my thumb before skateboarding and after that I stopped because I was like you know what um if I damage my hands now Mm. then I won't be able to do my magic the way that I do it yeah um so but skateboarding is something that's always been like a massive passion you know I well like five in the morning when I'm staying up late, writing mm. new ideas in the background. I always have skateboard films playing, right? Um, you know, everything from the shorties videos like Fifth of a Dream, um, to you know, um, like yeah, all, all the old, um, kind of like jackass videos as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, um, you know, before it was a Camp Kill Yourself, CKY. I'm not they sure. were the original ones. Right. Before, like, Jackass, they were the OG. Um, I've never been a skateboarder so, guy, but I know obviously how yeah. big Tony Hawk is. Well, so, so like. The Tony Hawk thing was crazy because he's someone that I've been a fan of for as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm a beast on Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I I went to the airport, mm. right? And I, I was about to fly to America to, I was going over there to film with Demi Lovato. Right. Right. Um, I was going, yeah, I got from Demi and a few other people that, that same week, right? Mm-hmm. And Tony Hawk wasn't even on the memo. But when I was working on the show idea, I was thinking, all right, who can I get to direct? And the TV companies had sent me a, sent me a bunch of like you know directors to look at, and they were cool, but they were very TV. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't feel like they had the right edge that I was looking for. Mm-hmm. And then it was five in the morning. My wife comes downstairs and she's like, are you going to come to bed? And I'm like, no, no, I'm just, I need to find a director. You know? and, and, and she just turns to the TV and she goes, 
why don't you get one of these skateboard directors to make it for you? You know, you like, you know, you always watch these films, you know. And I'm like, yeah, all right. And then I stayed up for another five hours finding, <laughs> finding yeah. the, the best skateboard directors. Yeah. And I looked at, I, I watched this, um, this film and then I looked at the credits and I saw his name, Ty Evans. And I did some research on him and he was like, he was like, you know, he made all the original skate films with Spike Jones. Right. Right. You yeah. know, the ones where like the, where the skaters are flying through walls and it's yeah, exploding. Yeah. It was like next level. Yeah. One the best skateboard films you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, fully flared and stuff like that. Right. Um, and I found this guy's website for his company and I just did a cold email and it was about <laughs> what? 7am. And 20 minutes later, he replied. No and way. then 30 minutes later, we were on a FaceTime. And I was on the FaceTime to this guy called Ty Evans, a legendary skateboard director. Yeah. If you ask anybody in the skate world, like yeah. he's, yeah. He, you know, he used to film all of the best skateboard films ever. Mm-hmm. Right. And literally, you know, I managed to get him to basically direct my last show, that's, Dynamo that, is Dead. Sick. And then when we were, when we were, after we'd filmed with Demi, um, we, we were trying to film with either Snoop or with like Dre, right? Because because Dre had gone back to UK, I tried to get Snoop, but then Snoop was flying out of the country. So I'm like, ah, oh, you know, we're filming with Demi on this day. We're filming with Kesha and we're filming with Kate Beckinsale. And I want I want to film with a guy whilst I'm out here mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And he goes, he goes, let me call Tony. I'm like, Tony? He's like, yeah, Tony, Tony Hawk. I'm like, no. <laughs> and, he, he, and I'm like, you know, it'd be perfect because, you know, like, um, it's a different type of adversity it's been through, but mm-hmm. the resilience to be a skateboarder, mm-hmm. you know, you can't get good at skateboarding without putting yourself through pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's expected. Mm-hmm. You're going to slam, you're going to hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. And the power to get back up and get back on that board when you've hurt yourself, that's that's Tony Hawk through and through. You know, he's absolute legend. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's on. we're on a loudspeaker in the car to Tony and he was so cool. And he's just like, well, I think, I think, I think Saturday I'm free. If you want to come through? I'm going. I'm going out of town the day after, but I can, you know, I can come. I can do a few hours on Saturday. And, wow! Damn. And then he was like, "Yeah, let's do it." And then literally, we went. Up, we went out to went out to his uh, secret skate park, and I don't think I've been happier in my entire life. I remember <laughs> calling my wife and saying and saying I've had the best day of my entire life she goes what not our wedding <laughs> and I'm like oh babe sorry like, but this was I was like I mean even thinking about it now I'm yeah. so excited about it yeah. um, and you know there's so much footage that I've got that didn't even make the final show you know the the TV show was like it was like a two hour show mm. special um, and it was like you know just over 90 minutes mm. with adverts yeah. right? and then there was the burial at the end mm-hmm. right but when we came back from the States and we finished filming everything and we did the first edit, the first edit was about three and a half hours long. Wow. And we had to cut out like almost two hours of footage yeah. to get back down to wow. the, the 90 minutes. But uh, you'll always have that raw so, footage. You've always got, got that. we've yeah. got so much stuff. So, you know, I, wow. I, like, I don't even know if, you know, if I'll ever put it anywhere because, it, but it's just like the, for me, like getting to kind of share that, experience with Tony mm. um, is going to be one of the highlights but I don't think I'll ever forget. It's mm. incredible. Do you get more nervous for people like people you admire like Tony? Like, Is it harder to do the magic around people like that? I, I, I do get a little bit nervous. Yeah. yeah I, I, you know what? It's, it's not that I get nervous. It's just that I realise 
I, I have, there's like a weight added yeah. to the moment, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm like, you know what? Like, you're one of my idols. I really don't want to mess up in front of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, it's different when you're with somebody that, you know, if you care about somebody, mm-hmm. then you genuinely care about their opinion. It's right. the same as I, I, I can't perform magic in front of my wife. Like I'm terrible. Like really, you know, yeah. Like I, I, you know, it's it's a strange thing because I care so much about her opinion of me. Yeah. Like she she didn't see any of my TV show before it was on TV. Wow. No like, way. So I would have to be like showing Fiona everything. Like, what, what do you think of this bit? What do you think of that? Yeah. Bit? I, I think it's partly because I know that if I showed her something and. If she didn't like any little answer, she'd tell you. Yeah. She'd tell me, which is good. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, it would it would hurt me more because yeah, yeah, it's coming yeah. from her. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, There's yeah, certain yeah. friends of mine that I that I refused to show anything to because you know I was doing the edits. I was I was I was editing like every day probably till like three or four in the morning. Um, well, you were editing the show. Yeah, I was. I mean, we had five edit suites on the go at the same right. time and I was walking from room to room with a different editors no and, you know, refining things here and there, picking songs, changing things. You know, there was an incredible team yeah. around me. Yeah. Um, like some bits I did edit. Wow. Uh, and and no then way. there was, there was some, some bits I filmed. So some of the yeah. times I was grabbing the camera and filming as well. Wow. Um, like, so it was, I was so involved in the process, but because I was so involved, um, then I was so scared to let anybody see it. Yeah, right. Um, in some ways, I'm kind of glad that I was burying myself alive, live, the night the show went out, because I didn't have to watch the show with anyone. <laughs> yeah, so, I was going like, to ask where you were when it came out, but you yeah, were there. I was, I, was, <laughs> I, was in, I was in the ground and my, uh, my wife... Uh, she had a watch party her, her families with all of her sisters and everything and um, and that was the first time they'd seen anything right. um, but I'm kind of glad that I wasn't there watching with them because I'd be too nervous and anxious yeah. about what they think and you know um, so Was your wife not yeah. nervous when you're yeah. burying yourself alive? Yeah yeah, yeah. But she's she's that confident in you. She's like, friends and family, come over. Yeah, I just think... <laughs> if that you know, goes wrong, it's a terrible, terrible night, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, but that's one of the it's reasons... That's, the thing, that's also one of the reasons why I didn't actually want her at the live burial. Right, because okay. Because you don't want to be there and... Yeah. You don't want your wife to watch you die on, you know, live. Like, yeah, mm. yeah. Um, you know... Um, <laughs> but wow. yeah, it's crazy, though, because, you know, we started at the beginning, I was telling you, like, how I feel like I get anxious and feel nervous about having like these sort of conversations yeah. doing podcasts and doing interviews and stuff like that because mm. um, it's weird my my friend texted me last night um, my friend Marcello and he was saying he was going oh good luck for, to pod, for the podcast this week and I goes oh I'm so anxious about him and he goes he goes nah man you'll be fine you know you, you burned yourself alive a few weeks ago <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like yeah but you know what it's crazy because <laughs> like I felt I feel more comfortable putting myself through three minutes of discomfort, burying myself alive in a hole than I do at like sitting for three hours on a <laughs> podcast conversation. It's weird, but I, th- I think it's because... I feel bad now. Fucking hell. Fiona, bring the diet in. Bring the diet in. <laughs> no, because I'm not, I'm not like, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not yeah. like underplaying this. Yeah. I, I love, mm. I love this, but it's, it's just that, you know, it's like when you asked me at the beginning, when you said, when I said about when I go on stage and perform magic, mm-hmm. like, I think... It's the my my mind is wired to do that sort of thing, and I've been and I've done it for as long as I can remember now. Mm. So it is to a certain extent my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Whereas everything else outside of that is scary, right? Yeah. You know, it's, but I think I'm learning to 
just accept that and embrace that and you know there's nothing wrong with being afraid of things mm -hmm. it's you know it's about the more i do this the the better i'll get at it and the more comfortable i'll and you're already I'll pretty fucking good i can tell you that mate i can tell you that have you ever had a moment go wrong so we were talking there about the idea of the burial going wrong that'd be pretty catastrophic to say mm -hmm. the least have you ever had a moment where a big trick went wrong i've had plenty of times where things have started to go wrong but the audience hasn't known it ah. because they don't know what the magic effect is meant to be at the end they don't know what the end result is going supposed to be okay so yeah. and because i've realized it's not going to plan because i've got used to performing over the years i was able to kind of turn it into something that still feels like magical doesn't feel like a failure to them mm -hmm. but inside i know it's not gone how i wanted it to go right and i have that quite a lot because i i like to improvise and you know and try things that are you know that might not always work mm -hmm. um, because that's how you you get good at it you know i yeah. think like um it's a bit like a comedian like a good comedian knows how to turn a heckle into an even funnier moment and make it work for the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas a bad comedian might take that heckle and it might ruin their entire show. Mm -hmm. And I think I've I spent a lot of time over the years performing in like working men's clubs and, and not you know not, not the easiest environments mm. where it's expected that people are going to call you out if you mess up or if you do things wrong. And I've and almost challenged myself to put myself in those environments so that when things do go bad, mm -hmm. I can deal with it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you know, there's, you know, there's been a million times where I've messed up in order to get to a level where I could stand in front of Tony Hawk. Yeah. And yeah. Not fail. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I think, yeah, to get good at anything, you're going to mess up. But would you ever have had a time where you're literally like, is this your card? And they're like, nah. Oh, yeah. 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 Really? Like, What's that like? Can you, is there a way of pulling it back? Or is that just like, oh, well, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, there's times when, when that happens where people, I know they're lying. Oh, oh really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it is their card. Yeah. Oh, fuck them. That's guys. so dickish. Fuck doing them that. guys. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. What do you do, though, in those times when you have messed up? And they, is that your card? Nah. It is. No, but what about when it isn't? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying... I'm say, oh, oh, you're oh, telling you me. Oh, you're telling I'll say, yeah, it is. Um, um, but... That <laughs> <No>, it is. <laughs> and then yeah. you start to believe it. Yeah, it that's be. so good, because I would take your word for it 100%. <laughs> yeah. But no, no, oh, yeah, so it was, I've, yeah. I've, I've, There's been times when I've created magic that is for those moments. Right, Where yeah. I've got something ready to go if that happens, you know what I mean? Like, I've got... Yeah. Like, it's almost like they set me up for the perfect kicker. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Um, and sometimes there's, and not, you know what? Often, when when I used to perform, um, like in, I used to perform in this place called Livingstones in Bradford, mm. uh, and the Revolution Wine Bar, which next door, I had residences there, um, and they'd set up this area at the end of the bar where I'd perform for tips. Right, I didn't even get paid properly. This wow. is, we're talking. This is like, you know, yeah, twenty years ago. Yeah, right? I'd perform there, and. I'd always find that you'd always get groups, you know, groups come in and they'd always be like someone who's boisterous, who's kind of like, they're going to be the ones that say it's not their card. They're yeah. going to be the ones that lie. Mm -hmm. But I realised that if you can break them, for want of a better expression, 
then you can win everybody over. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And often the reactions you get when you finally break through that, that exterior mm-hmm. of them when they're putting their front on, when you when you break through that front, you get the best reactions ever. So sometimes yeah. sometimes I actually seek out those moments. Like if I'm on the street filming for the TV show, I'll always try and find someone who I think might give me that challenge mm. because I know that ultimately if I'm able to succeed in giving them the feeling of real magic by the end of it, their reaction is going to be so much stronger and so much more real and authentic than the person on the street who just wants to be on TV. That's why wow. you're the pro, because I yeah. would just find the easiest person. I've <laughs> yeah. got to 85-year-old Deirdre. <laughs> yeah. She'll believe everything. Is that your card? She yeah. can't remember. I'm <laughs> yes, a it is, Deirdre. <laughs> yeah, and you're just going for the for the alpha dogs. You're trying to... don't know why I said alpha, alpha dogs. dogs. To be honest, but, <laughs> yeah, that's Maybe I'm doing it for the underdogs, you know? Yeah. Going for the alpha dogs for the underdogs. I love it. When you do these huge things, like... On Dynamo is dead. The the burial's obviously a, a huge, huge stunt. Your comeback stunt. Why why did you go for that in particular? Because I guess the possibilities are endless. But why the burial? When I first decided that I was going to burn myself alive, I didn't actually care if I got out. I didn't want to be alive. Right. But I felt... I just felt the weight of the world on me at that time like mentally mm. so it was just kind of an idea I threw out there that I thought you know what maybe maybe it's time to put myself in the ground and it's quite mad because as I worked on myself mm. and actually started to you know make the whole Dynamo is Dead show I was reminded or discovered all the incredible things that are worth being alive for. So when it came to actually doing it, Mm. the night of the show, I had everything to be alive for and I didn't really want to get in that hole anymore because it was kind of like I'd, I'd just evolved into a different person. Like, the journey I went on in Dynamo is Dead genuinely was a real journey. Mm. And I'm not the same person sitting in front of you now that I would have been if I'd have sat in front of you before I made that show. Right. Like, the wisdom that, you know, the the guests shared with me, Mm -hmm. you know, their stories of how they overcome their adversities, like, had a lasting impact and will impact on me forever, Mm. to be honest. Um, so, So, yeah, I think... You know, my nan died, my dogs died, you know, in the same weekend. Um, you know, there was a lot of other things going on um, that were just making me feel like life was not worth living. And, I've, you know, magicians of, of the past have attempted to burn a live stunt. And it was my kind of immediate reaction, you know, all right, maybe it's time to put myself in a hole. You know, maybe I need to die with my nana, with my dogs. Um, but then, like I say, as I grew on this journey, it became something that could be a symbol of hope if I was able to get out mm. of the hole I've dug myself. Wow. Well, the world's a better place with you, in it, Stephen. That's for sure. And that show is is fucking amazing. I don't so. get 
too deep. It's no, no, no. We, we can go back to Bollards in a bit, mate. We can go back to Bollards yeah. in a bit. But no, it's like I said a few times, go and check it out, guys, because it is it is worth checking out, even if you did choose Stephen Bartlett over me. Um, why, that's a joke, by the way. Why <laughs> is uh, Why did you call it Dynamo is Dead? Are you no longer going to be going as Dynamo? I feel that I'm not the same person that I was, mm-hmm. you know. The Dynamo who sat in front of you years ago when we had that chat on the, mm-hmm. on the podcast um, feels like a long, distant memory now. You know, I've I've been through stuff, I've been through life, and I've come out the other side, and I'm a lot older. I'm a lot, you know, I've had a lot more experiences that have shaped and informed the person that I am today. Mm-hmm. And and I think as an artist, it's important that you always try and grow. Mm. And, you know, you, you can't cling on to the past forever, you know. And I think for me, I'm excited about the future now. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I have, I've shed the parts of me that, that kind of needed to be shed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm in a very very happy place now where I'm probably the most comfortable I've ever been just being myself. I think for years I hid behind the mask of right. Dynamo mm. and I felt like people had accepted Dynamo, but they not necessarily accepted me. And I felt like I had to play this character okay. and it got to the point where it's exhausting. So in, in, in the future, people coming out to, to see your live magic, if we if we if if that's something you choose to do, uh, is it going to be under Stephen Frayne then? Is that where we're going to come and see Stephen? I think people can call me whatever they want, as long as they call me. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I've always, I'm, mm. I am Stephen, you know, my, like, you know, my friends, my family, they call me Stephen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, ultimately, Dynamo is always going to be a part of me, but... I think I've realised that the best parts of Dynamo were small parts of Stephen. Mm-hmm. So if I can give all of Stephen, all of the parts of me now, then that could make for an even even better version of myself and of the magic that you've seen in the past. So yeah, it's you know, it's about I think it's just about finding a way where I can share the thing that I love, the magic, but not have to share it behind the mask. Mm. Just you know be, what I mean? Yeah, can just be you. Yeah. I've got some questions just for, just for you about your beliefs, Stephen. Uh, the first one is, being a magician, is that more likely to make you religious or less religious, or does it have no bearings on it at all? Um, I know magicians who are religious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a lot of friends who, you know, um, a lot of friends with a lot of magicians around the world. Um, I am not particularly religious myself. Um, you know, I was christened when I was a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but then my, my father, uh, I didn't go to my father, but, um, you know, he, he wasn't Christian. Right. Um, so, um, you know, I, I think that personally, you know, um, I just kind of believe in good people and mm. try to keep around them. Do you know what I mean? I, like, 
religion's not something that I think really comes into it when I uh, look at my life. Yeah, mm. fair enough. Do you believe in psychic mediums? I believe there's things out there that we can't explain. You know, I think in this universe we live in, we cannot be the only species that, you know, mm. are as intelligent as we are, mm. you know. Um, but I think there's so many things we're never ever going to know the answer to. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Do you think, how can I put this? You're obviously one of the best magicians in the world, right? But you you know how you do the tricks, yeah? Is there... Some of them. What do you mean by that? I don't know how Stephen Bartlett did that. Are you being serious? I'm genuinely serious. What? Like, I, I didn't expect it to go as well as it did. Can I explain on here what that specific trick is, or is that going to be a spoiler? Uh, yeah, you go for it, yeah, yeah. So, Stephen Bartlett, is it a spoiler? Go ahead, we can do it? Okay, got the manager's approval. <laughs> um, so you sit down with Stephen Bartlett and you give him a deck of cards, 52 cards, genuine deck cards, genuine real. And um, the table is see-through and there's a camera underneath it. He gives Stephen the pack. Stephen shuffles face down and he ra- you, t- you tell him just to randomly go with however he's feeling, put a pile of black cards and a pile of red cards and he just sorts them out into... Black and red. He's not looking. He's not looking. Yeah, he just gets yeah. it and gets it perfect. What? And there's times when he's like, "This is a black." No, actually, that's a red. And he changes it at the last minute. You telling me, Stephen, that you don't know how he did that? I didn't expect it to go the way it went. Like, there's loads of footage. Lo- we we filmed for like you know about an hour and a half, and we filmed so many different pieces of magic. Loads of like things with cards, uh, mm. all, all sorts of different stuff, right? And that was one of the things that. I did, but I never expected it to turn out as well as it did. <laughs> it was one of those, I thought, you know what, I'm going to try this because if this works with Stephen, this will be great. And I didn't expect it to turn out the way it did. It got to the point, right, the piece of magic that was supposed to be in the show with him that I originally planned for with him, um, I ended up uh, doing later with, with Dave Chappelle. Right, okay. Um, because I knew that when I, after that, after seeing that moment happen, I knew that the red-black separation was the thing that was going to be Stephen's standout piece. Yeah. So I had to kind of, as the show evolved, like, depending on, you know, how certain things went, determined what they what ended up in the show. So, you know, I, it was kind of, when I did it on Stephen, it was kind of a practice for someone else. <laughs> but it worked so good with him. Yeah. But I'm like, you know what? Uh, that, I'm gonna. It was fucking that's just, insane. That's just blowing my mind because obviously I can say to you, yeah, sort these out into red and black, yeah, and you just wouldn't. I'm just wouldn't do it, yeah. So, so what's Stephen done? Yeah, what's to, the, what? I mean, you can't say obviously, yeah. but how the heck? The that's what I was saying. The idea behind the show was to show the magic of other people, and <laughs> there's genuine moments in this show where the guests are doing things that I could never fully explain exactly how they've done it. Like, I, in my <laughs> head, I knew what I wanted to happen, Yeah. but I'm at the mercy of them because it's, it's not me doing it. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. Do, do you have superpowers? I'm just a kid from Bradford. You know what I mean? I, I work hard at what I do. I, 
I definitely, you know, think in a different way. I've trained myself to think in a way that suits the type of work that I do. Right. Um, but I'm no, I'm no better or more special than anybody else. You know how Darren Brown says that he just does illusions. He just makes he. I don't know how, how does he phrase it. Well, they're just illusions that. You're, are you are you different to Darren? Are you doing illusions or are you doing magic? I'm like Liam Neeson. I've got a very special... <laughs> <laughs> Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Join Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, Brady PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. That's just absolutely wrecked my head, that. Because I'm thinking the outcome is a pile of red and a pile of black. Like, I know what the outcome is, but I don't know what I can do as a human being to make that outcome happen. Yeah. And I don't think Stephen knew what he was doing. No. Some of the most magical moments in the Dynamo's Dead show weren't the magic at all. It was the things that people were saying. Yeah, the stories. The the stories, Mm. you know, like the the way that Kate Beckinsale opened up and shared stories about her adversities. Yeah. Like, so powerful, Mm. you know. And and then, like, the advice Stephen gave, you know, about, like, how to look at, how to break down your life and look at what you what you might have lost mm, the five buckets and stuff five yeah. buckets yeah, yeah. so so well put across you know mm. um the the things the advice that tony gave about you know basically getting back up when you've been knocked down do you know mm. what i mean um you know tyson fury being as super honest about what it was like you know when he hit rock bottom you know, he's a boxer who the whole thing with boxing is you don't want your opponents to know your weaknesses. Mm. And he literally put all his weaknesses out there for the world to see. Mm. And ultimately it made him stronger for it. Mm. But I think for me, someone like Tyson sharing stories of, of hardship the way that he has, like I can relate to him more because I see him as one of us. He's a working class hero. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, I wouldn't necessarily... Like, I think a kid on an estate of like would look up to someone like Tyson and see him as an example of maybe how they can better themselves more so than if they saw like a Harvard professor because on the estate you don't know anybody's going to Harvard. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. But like, so I think it's that's what I was saying about representation. About like, I really tried to make sure that you know these were individuals that inspired me, but I really tried to make sure that there was. There was people in there, like guests, that doesn't matter what walk of life you come from, there's going to be one or two people that you can relate to directly. Mm. And hopefully that will show you how to ultimately find your own magic. Yeah. 
Um, you know, the the conversations for me were that's that was the thing that I was probably the most scared about people seeing. Like, would would people, you know, I'm not an interviewer. You know, I'm not. I don't have a podcast. I'm not somebody who feels super comfortable having a conversation. Mm. Um, so to sit down with people like Tony Hawk, people like, you know, Pete Davidson, you know, me and Pete Davidson talking about Crohn's disease. Mm. You know, he's one of the first people who's like super successful, but I've spoke to who's also got Crohn's disease. Mm. So having those conversations for me, it was so, it was so eye opening and kind of, and I, I felt, I felt that I wasn't alone mm. with it. And, it was just kind of, you know, I think it was a needed conversation. Right. But ultimately we were on TV talking about shit. Right. And talking about how, how it affects us. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not the sort of thing you see every day on TV. And mm. I think, you know, I think Sky were incredibly brave to give me the platform to mm. kind of share those sort of conversations. I think it was better to be beneficial to a lot of people out there as well who have yeah. similar That's what I was hoping because like I say, you asked me, you know, early on about like was I scared about putting something else out and why do I still do it? Mm. And I think before, before like making this show, I feel like if I'd have made another magic show, um, before any of these things happened to me, then I possibly it, I would have been making it for the wrong reasons. I right. Make it just to stay relevant, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, whereas I'd, had an episode in my life that had made me feel so low and it was a time when I thought even magic can't help me. You know, magic's always been the thing that's picked me up, right? I could pick up a pack of cards and go perform a trick to somebody and boom, I feel an adrenaline rush. Mm. But even that wasn't working for me. And, you know, reading these books, hearing these stories of these other incredible individuals was the thing that got that magic back for me. And that was the thing I was like, if I can, the, the last step in the 12 step book is service. You take what you've learned on this journey and you do a service to others by sharing it with them. So with, with other people, so it can help them maybe in the same way that it helped you. Mm. And that was my meaning for this show. I think this is the first magic show that has a real purpose and meaning behind it. Um, I look back at some of my old stuff and think it was quite trivial. And, you know, for me, like making this show, it, it got me my life back. But also, you know, I think it's important and hopefully it will help other people in their lives. I'm sure it will. And I'm sure it will, like even coming on podcasts like this and Stevens and like when I listen to the Diary of the CEO when I learned loads from it as well. So you're definitely doing that service. We asked you about psychic mediums. We asked you about religion. Can you read minds? That's a big question. Um <laughs> I can do things that, that feel like that, I guess. Uh, let me, let's, do me a favour. Oh, no. Yeah, I don't like when you get close, Steve. <laughs> I know we're friends, but you're scary. If I, can I turn this? There we go. That way you can hear me. Yep. Yeah. Um, What's happening? I don't know. We'll keep it, we'll keep it quite, quite simple. Just <laughs> take a moment and think of somebody who you would really love to get on the podcast. Uh, maybe not cover someone that you've that you've talked about online a lot. You know what I mean? Not someone too obvious, but like... So someone who I haven't mentioned on the podcast before? Um, I haven't watched every single podcast. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know, but like, okay. yeah, but just if you can get someone in mind, yeah? Yeah. And then just put your hand up like this. Can I, can I give, can I tell him who it is or not? 
If you can do it without me, shall I? Right, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just going to write it down. Type here. Right. Okay. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Someone who I wouldn't necessarily have mentioned, but yeah. Okay. Because to begin with, I need to make a connection. Okay. Right? Yeah. So. Sorry for the audio listeners. We're just if you um, focus on the index finger, right now for the audio lis listeners, our hands, our, our palms are together. Mm -hmm. um, and I want you to focus on the index finger. And you should start to feel like a pulsing sensation between the two fingers. Let me know when you can feel that. It's like a faint heartbeat. We're very faint, but you should feel it start to come in now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if I snap, it jumps to the middle finger and it'll be more powerful between the middle fingers. You'll feel it a lot sooner. Feel that, right? Yeah, I feel like I can feel it in both. Yeah. And eventually you'll feel it in all the fingers. Now that connection's there. If I was to move sideways like this, it's almost like rubbing against the mirror. Feels a bit strange, right? Mm -hmm. So if there was a mirror between us, when my index finger starts to bend, watch what yours wants to do. And in fact, <laughs> let's, create, let's create a distance between us because... <laughs> With that connection there, if my finger goes forward, yours is going to want to follow. Yeah. In fact, these fingers are going to want to start to go as well. What? Even if my hand goes up, yours will start to move up. Because now that connection's there, let your hand, <laughs> let it close all the way and squeeze tight. <laughs> and imagine holding on to the name of this person. And don't say it out loud, but when you feel comfortable, just let your hand open and let the name go towards me. Daniel Ratcliffe. I'm going to cry. What? I'm going to cry my eyes out. I'm going to cry my eyes out. I don't know, but I just... What? I just don't get it. There is, there is no way you can know that. So this is the Happy Hour podcast. I think <laughs> they might need a minute. Um, so, uh, yes, um, in the future, Daniel Radcliffe, if you're watching this, please... <laughs> Do them the honour of coming on the show. I, don't uh, get I think that. he really wants you on the show. Um, wow! What is? What have I? I don't even. Isn't that crazy? I just don't get it. I just, oh, fuck. Even the finger stuff. Yeah, that stuff was freaking me the fuck out. <laughs> That's incredible. Oh wow! You had another mutual friend on uh, of ours on your your um, show as well, Raphael Rowe. Oh yeah, oh, he's been what, on here a few times. What an absolute legend! That yeah, guy, right, top man. Right. Uh, if you don't know about Raphael Rowe, um, he was wrongfully in prison for twelve years yeah. for a crime he didn't commit, uh, and you know he he was in there for twelve years. Yeah, and then taught himself, found a way to basically teach himself the law to get out. Of jail, to, yeah, to fight his law, yeah. conviction. He was racially profiled, wasn't he? That yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And and you know, and since he's been out, you know, he's gone on to become a successful journalist, and he has this show on Netflix, um, Inside the World's Toughest Prisons, yeah, where he he literally goes and spends time in the worst of his prisons and and shares stories about it and meets with the prisoners, and you know, we we went to prison, um, because um, for me, like he was someone that I thought was super important to have on. Partly on a personal reason, because because my dad went to jail right. when I was younger, mm -hmm. when I was like four, mm. and he's in and out of jail for most of my life. I didn't really grow up with him. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, I think there's that thing that when the person goes to jail, they're being punished, right? Yeah. You know, they're being punished for, you know, like in, in Raphael's case, wrongfully mm -hmm. punished, mm -hmm. right? My dad 
he was naughty. So yeah, he right. probably deserved to be there. Right. Um, but but like the thing that I think people forget is that the families that are left behind on the outside are equally being punished. Yeah. And you know, me as a kid, not knowing why my dad's in there, like I don't think you know that's. I think that's something that I think isn't addressed enough. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the, the support for the families yeah. of the people who've lost the lost the loved ones, right? And even if the loved ones should be, um, you know, sent away for being for doing bad things, mm. I think you know there's you know there's there's the people on the other side, and you know, um, speaking to Raphael, you know, he he even said himself that you know it wasn't just him who went through it; it was his sister, um, you know, his whole family. You know, he struggled to to like build a proper you know, relationship with his family since, mm. since he was inside. And, you know, some of those things, you know, they like, he might have got, he might be free now, but he can never get those 12 years back. Mm. Yeah. It was a, it was a great scene as well. It just reminded me cause you did the, made me mirror your fingers and that's yeah. what you kind of do with Raphael in the show. We do it through the, actually, through the through glass. The glass. Yeah. yeah. I can't yeah. get over that. Just I can't like, get yeah, over it. I'm still thinking about Daniel Radcliffe, mate. Cause how would you know? I've never, I've never mentioned it on the podcast, and even if okay. I had, you don't listen to all. Have you them. um, have you got a phone? Yeah. <laughs> pull, out, pull out your phone. I can't. I don't, I don't. Can, I, can I film this on my phone? Yeah, sure. Okay. Okay. Um, think of a number. In fact, can I take your phone first? Yeah, sure. Is it is it unlocked? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Good. I'm going to make a prediction. Uh, I'm going to just do it on. Yeah. Here we go gonna go on safari i'll open a new window so i don't lose whatever you've been searching nothing it's, not, it's nothing rude no. um so um i'm just making a prediction on his phone for the people who are listening to this <laughs> why you look so scared i don't know i feel like a slug's okay. gonna come out my nose or something <laughs> right. okay i've made a prediction um, just trying to lock it. There we go. So I made a prediction on your phone. Don't open it yet. Okay. Right. So, name a number from one to one hundred. Twenty-two. Twenty-two. Okay. I if you can see on your phone, but I'll do this here. I've got a list here of different celebrities, mm-hmm. all different people. You can see look, number seventeen, Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. 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 But you said number twenty-two. I did. Right? Yeah. Who's number twenty-two? Uh. Queen B, Beyonce. Beyonce. Yeah. yeah. Right, and you see, there's actually a hundred different ones. So, like, if you just had a different person, yeah. a different number of it would be a different person. Usain yeah? Bolt, Brad Pitt, Madonna, yeah. All different, yeah. yeah. Um, what number would you have chosen? 66. 66, really? Yeah, because you'll see underneath that celebrity list, I've got a shopping list, yeah? Mm. And scroll through. You've got everything on there from lettuce to bread, grapefruit. Yorkshire puddings. Yeah, probably, yeah, Yorkshire puddings. Uh, what's 66. 66 is pizza. Pizza. Okay. So you chose Beyonce. Mm-hmm. You chose pizza. That's yeah. Random, right? Yeah. <laughs> but before you chose those things, I made a prediction on your phone, mm. which is right there in front of you. Yeah. Unlock it. Take a look. Oh, God. <laughs> it's a picture of Beyonce and pizza. <laughs> I cannot. You're weird. <laughs> what the fuck? Wow. 
Stephen, that's insane. Are you going to put that on your <laughs> on your social media? Yeah. yeah. yeah put, I, I, check out my new social media as well. I, I started again from zero. Right. Yeah. Oh, no. I started a new, a new uh, channel, Dynamo is Dead. Dynamo is on Dead. On Instagram, yeah. Check Love that it. out. What? Um, oh. Or don't check out because he's weird. <laughs> but how? Let me see that again. Look at her tucking into a calzone. I just, I just, I just don't. I just can't <laughs> explain it. I'm trying to think. I, I, I feel like I'm quite good at being like logical. Like, right? Yeah. How can how can you in brackets like cheat that? How can you do yeah. that? But you can't do that. Can you? Why are you always going to say sixty six? Yeah. And if uh, if Beyonce is watching this podcast and wants to come on <laughs> and share some pizza with us, uh, we will take it. Wow, that's super fucking. That's impressive. one of the most amazing things that's ever happened in my life. Yeah, it's the most I'm amazing. Not even that's why I do magic. Yeah, for that, for statements like that, that's that's that is incredible. Amazing. That is so good. What it's, the heck? It's brilliant, isn't it? Because I'm wondering if I was always going to say 66, and then I just went 65, literally last second. But then yeah. it then it well, would have been what, Beyonce with a kebab. But that's what I did because I, I was going to go thirteen, my yeah. lucky number. And then I thought, no, nah, that's probably too obvious. He might know that somehow. I'm going to. And then at the last second, I just said a random number at the last second because I the tried to catch you I out. Can, I tried to make you look are silly. You, are you like Steve Jobs? And, that's, and you hacked into all our phones, all the phones in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was like Steve. Jobs. <laughs> um, yeah, and the thing as well there, that's something, you know, you guys made the decisions. Do you know yeah. What I mean? Yeah. Like, so it's... So yeah. are we the magicians, really? Maybe, yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That is incredible. That is incredible. What the flip? Mate, what's 2024 got in store for you? It's going to be a fun year, right? Yeah. I, I feel feel like I want to share a lot more magic. There's, there's loads of magic that... I wanted to film for a TV show that, that never got round to filming. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I want to get round to filming that, you know, maybe put it on social media. Um, you know, I might start a YouTube channel. You think? Yes. Yeah, do it, you man. Do? Of course. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I've spent. <laughs> Imagine last... if we said no. Nah. <laughs> nah, I've nah, like, spent the last few years, like, not really just filming stuff, but not really sharing it, you know, mm. and not, not making it for an algorithm and all that sort of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, mm. um, and, you know, it's that thing. It's like they're like my babies. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. And it's like, do oh, I, well, you, do mate, I'll I want watch to every single one. People to, to pass opinions on it. Do you know what I mean? I think it's not for me. It's not that, but it's sharing them because I because they're just cool things that I've made. Mm. Do you know what I mean? People love it. Um, and then I think ultimately my big big thing that I really want to do um, because it's it's the thing that it scares me the most, but it's the thing that I love the most. Is you know I want to get back to doing live shows. You know, going yeah. back on stage. I'm I've never really had a desire to be on stage when I was growing up. It's mm. one of the it's one of the scariest places. I think you know. Yeah. I think most people can. It, they they say like public speaking on, on a big stage is like a thing that they would find scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that because of my success, I can't just go on the streets and do magic to every single person mm. to, to perform for as much, to, to everybody. Mm. Um, so the only way I can allow the people to experience the magic is by by putting on a show live is an addiction as well once you get up there you get yeah like i i i have this thing like i'm before every show 
so I've got so many butterflies. I'm so mm-hmm. nervous to go on stage. When I'm up there, I'm in that moment. It's the best feeling ever. Isn't it? But just, then the minute yeah. I come off stage, I'm like, oh, no, I'm scared again. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Yes. We, we we went on tour last February, and our tour manager John he he told us a great phrase that I will never forget. And it's um, what was well, I say never forget it. I always mess it up when I say it. But they say it's it's incredibly hard to get on the road. It's even harder to get off it. Yes. Because once you start, yeah, you don't yeah. want to stop. But yeah. so, do you think you'll be you'll be going on tour this this year? Is that for twenty twenty four? Is it maybe this year? Yeah, I want to. I want to definitely put some work into make a show this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if, if this year, next year, do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of something that excites me because I think I'm interested to see if I how how the new type of magic I've been working on, you know, like this, like the stuff in Dynamo is Dead, mm-hmm. how that could translate onto a big stage. Mm. You know, because uh, I think that's some, you know, the TV show was very different from some of my past work. Mm. And I think, but I think it's been received incredibly well. Mm. So I'm excited to see if I can take take that and, and make it even better. And, and you know, you can't, the one thing about magic live is that, People can always say, oh, I watched it on TV and it's on TV. So maybe it's TV. But then for you guys, you, you've sat here and experienced it yourselves just now, mm. right? And that feeling you get, mm. you know, imagine that, but surrounded by 10,000 other people yeah. at the same time. I got you know, it. You do it live, pull the pull the curtain down, Beyonce's there, eating a Domino's. <laughs> Boom. There hey. we go. <laughs> Single ladies plays. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There we go. That's about it. We've already had you for way longer than you agreed. So thank you so much, mate. Stephen, it's been an absolute pleasure to oh, see no, you. Thank you, guys. And our mind so much, is mate. still firmly blown yeah. by those tricks. Um, it's 2024. Dynamo might be dead, but Stephen Frayne is alive and the world is a much better place for that. We'll look out for you uh, coming to our cities sometime soon and check out Dynamo is Dead on, on Sky, Now TV, all the good places. We always finish in the same way, Stephen. What's the meaning of life? The meaning of life for me right now is, I think, I think the answer to that question is all to do with the individual because my meaning in my life is to take this this thing I've been lucky enough to become good at, magic, and share it with as many people as possible. There we go. This has been Jack Makes Happy Hour podcast with one of the greatest magicians in the world. What a way to start Series 9. Thank you, guys. We'll see you in a few days. That was great, mate. Oh, my God, man. <laughs> you okay? I don't know. Jack Mates Happy Hour. Um, That's already magic to me. That's magic for me. That's insane. I've got some cards. Uh, Just just say stop. Stop. So, three of spades. I'm going to get a pen. Write your name on there. Do yours. I'll put Stephen on this side. Oh.
that's one of one. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, if you hold, hold it like that. And take the corner and give it a good crease. That's a real tight light, Jack. Yeah, yeah. Just tear it up. Put it on my tongue. <gasps> Back on me. I don't get it. How's he put that back on there, though? <laughs> he definitely ripped that. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't like it. What the hell? Is he just gone? <laughs> <laughs> that is so sick. That's great. That is sexy as fuck. <laughs> <laughs>